Good People Company proudly presents the Law Party Podcast, where it is always about good times, good people, and good talk. Now that you've received your invitation, the best way to let us know that you're in attendance is to download the party or become official by joining us on Facebook, subscribing on YouTube, iTunes Podcasts, or Google Play Podcasts. Good. Thanks for joining us. Grab a cocktail, light a cigar, or whatever you like to smoke, share us with your friends, and make yourself at home. I'm your host and moderator, Rio, and let's introduce today's panel. Hey, out there in podcast tonight, I'm your host, Rio, and welcome to the Law Party Podcast, episode 103, The Olympian Theory. So, first and foremost, I want to welcome our listeners in India and Russia. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, thank you all for telling a friend and joining the party. Now, in order to be the best in the world, an Olympian has to train from childhood for eight hours a day for years. What are you willing to work for to be the best at? And is that what's wrong with society? Nobody's willing to put in the 10,000 hours. But before we get started, let's introduce today's panel. And today I have got my returning champion, Chris O'Connor, uh, and I've got our bartender extraordinaire, Ben, here at the Pendergast Club, who is uh, pouring up some deliciousness, which leads me to the important things. What are we drinking? And today we're drinking, uh, since we just got out of Negroni Week, mm-hmm. we are uh, having the classic of classic cocktails, a Negroni. Uh, you want to tell the good folks out there what's a Negroni for? Basic classic Negroni is equal parts uh, gin, sweet vermouth, and Campari, which is a bitter Italian aperitif. I think I've mentioned it before on the podcast. This is my Desert Island cocktail. If I had to pick one cocktail to drink for the rest of my life, it would be the Negroni. Because mm-hmm. it, it is delicious. It's delicious. Uh, at first glance, you're like, hey, what kind of whiskey is in that? And you realize this is not a whiskey cocktail. This is a gin cocktail. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is damn tasty. Uh, and today, uh, what are we smoking? We're smoking the Trinidad Estelle uh, cigar that is uh, actually, I diverged from the uh, Cigar Aficionado's Top 25, and um, I just, I found another smoke that um, I thought was very interesting. Um, it, it kind of has uh, a Cuban heritage because uh, because it's uh, a Trinidad, um, but of course um, that's uh, Cuban seeds grown in Nicaragua. Uh, very smooth, uh, a little sweet, a little spice, a little earth, a little wood. Um, just 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 a good solid smoke. Anybody out there who's uh, never had one, you should do yourself a favor. 
in Tri-Self and Trinidad, Estelle, uh, and these are delicious. Hey, you can search for the Loft Party Podcast on iTunes Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts, and on our Good Times with Good People YouTube channel. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook, tweet us on Twitter, and if you like the content we provide, donate to us on Patreon, www.patreon.com forward slash Loft Party Podcast. You can find all of our links below. And now back to our regularly scheduled program. Which brings us to um, our RIPs. And we have a couple of big RIPs this week. Um, and it is not lost on me that they're both from suicides, actually. Um, uh, the designer, uh, Kate Spade, um, uh, passed away at 55, and uh, and patron saint of uh, the servant industry, uh, Anthony Bourdain, um, passed away at 61. Um, what I, of course, know of Anthony Bourdain is, um, you know, the the cooking and travel shows, mm-hmm. um, but I know. Um, being in the service industry, I know Ben probably has some perspective on Anthony Bourdain you want to share with us. Absolutely. Um, I read his book, Kitchen Confidential, some years ago, and then his career just took off. And it's amazing that we have this man, this brilliant man, that brought my industry into the living rooms of so many people in the United States. It changed everything. I mean, so many people, I think, saw people in industry as just, you know, behind the scenes, sort of, you know, not not really interacted with, not really talked to, or more just like people there to do bidding and that kind of thing. And I think this sort of humanized a lot of those people for people who didn't think about it that way. And I think that that, on a personal level, is incredibly important. But also just, uh, he's he's royalty in my industry and always known for his uh, outreaching thoughtfulness and we're we're all incredibly sad yeah you, you know what I always thought interesting watching his shows was uh, as big as Anthony Bourdain is to the industry he could have spent his time going to four and five star Michelin restaurants and just doing shows about those experiences. Right. Uh, but often what he chose to do was go to the places that were the most authentic, that, you know, were little to no money to eat there and yeah. talk to the uh, the originators of these cuisines. And I always, I always thought that was kind of special um, about, about what he did and, and I, I was very surprised. Um, and to tell you the truth, uh, Kate Spade as well, um, you know, being somebody who kind of knows fashion and kind of loves, loves fashion too, um, what I know of Kate Spade directly is, you know, like her bags and purses and stuff like that, because, um, you know, if, you know, you know, like I've I've personally bought Jackie a couple of cake spades, and 
So, like, I, I always realized the um, the simplicity and the craftsmanship of, yeah. you know, of what she did. I didn't even realize that she was a Kansas City native. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't realize. I didn't know that. Wow. Um, she was actually married to uh, David Spade's brother. Yeah. Okay. And um, and so yeah, I was I was incredibly surprised and incredibly shocked at both of these passages. And, um, and we want to send some condolences out before I move on. To did you have anything you want to say about either of these? No, I just thought it was a. Uh one of those incredibly bizarre and very sad weeks. Um, you know, there were two big icons in their respective industries, and to both go out from suicide, really, uh, it, it's sad. Yeah, and, yeah. It, you know, I don't believe these things come and go in waves. I've never really thought that's true. But when they kind of unusually pile on top of each other like that, it's, yeah, yeah. it makes it even more sad. And you just, you hope that anybody out there who's struggling with something like that actually can find the help to get through it, yeah. um, as probably this ties into our it, overall theme of the well, yeah, day, I yeah, think, yeah, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, definitely um, underscored. So. Uh, you know, I remember uh, I remember doing this Bible study, and uh, it was talking about a, a specific um, chapter in the Bible where it, the the, the man was talking about at the twilight end of his life what he found that made him happy. And um, it was one of those things where the words he actually used is he found that nothing can make you happy. But when you study it and you break it down, you realize that he really means no thing can make you happy. And what was interesting to me in the wake of these two passings was that these are people who had all the things you could think of. Of course. And they weren't happy. Yeah. And which underscored that no thing can make you happy, that you really have to, um, you really have to look out for the people that are close to you if you see somebody just not themselves, you know, hey, you, you all right? You, know, you good? Yeah. You know, because you never know. Just somebody that's willing to ask the question may be all they need that day. And maybe go further if you think it's... Yeah, absolutely. If you think something's really off... You're really wrong. Yeah. Really, you know, don't just say, hey, you doing all right? Because people are going to ask you if you're doing all right all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. If, if, if nobody's really asking, then you're just going to keep on exactly. keeping it within you. I'm sure people were asking Anthony. Oh, I'm sure. You know, hey, man, you okay? Yeah. You know. and, yeah. And I, I know me personally, I've always been a person that I ask that question three times. Yeah. Because your first answer is always, no, yeah, no, I'm good. You know, I had the same experience actually just a little while ago. I noticed uh, Lane. Um, I guess, I don't know, maybe I was having one of those days where I just wasn't talking as much or something like that. And I think Lane probably asked me three times throughout our entire interaction, hey, man, you doing all right? Yeah. 
And it stuck with me because I was just kind of like, that's not normal. Right, right. But then it made sense because it's Lane because he's had to deal with people who exactly. have had a lot of trauma. But that, but he also, I think he's smart enough to realize just because you haven't had a lot of trauma that you might not be all right. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, I mean, because if you really care, you actually want that answer. Yeah. You know, and like I say, and if you, you know, you know, not belligerently push, but just just enough so that the right. person you're asking realizes. No, they're asking because they actually care and they want a, they want a real answer. Yeah. I often find that people will say, well, yeah, I mean, you know, it, you know, and then they'll start that way and then you're like, no, what's going on? And, and, and then mm-hmm. they unfold. And some, and some days, that may not be the cure-all, yeah. but some days that's what somebody needs to get to the next day, you know? And to anybody out there who is under a lot of pain or sadness or, or desperation or hopelessness. Just know that there are people out there who do care and they do want to hear you, so find help. If, it, if it's not your friends, find a resource, look it up online, do whatever you have to. Yeah, somebody cares. I care, first of all. I do. Absolutely. I love you. There are other people who do as well. Find somebody, get help, crawl out of that hole, all right? Keep on living. Amen. So, um, we go out of RIPs and we go into happy birthdays because we never like to leave it at RIPs. <laughs> but I do want to um, start our happy birthdays with um, a kind of happy birthday slash RIP because I realized that today was Gene Wilder's birthday. Rest and, in peace. Uh, and he passed away in uh, 2016. Um, yeah, uh, today is uh, Shia LaBeouf's birthday. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, uh, oh, Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, and I just, it, it made me laugh when I saw it was his birthday because I was, uh, so I've, I've got a, uh, I've got a, uh, I got a podcast coming up um, that's the day you decided to throw it all away. <laughs> it, 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 it made, and when I saw his name, that made me just it made me think about it. So I was thinking, uh, Shia could have basically wrote his own ticket at a certain point, and then he was like, no, nope, don't want any of this, which is not a horrible thing, is no. it? But, it, but it's definitely one of those moments where you realize, no, nope, I can He I is such an odd character to me. Um, you know, from all the success to um, then just the weird, the memes, okay? Like the uh, just do it thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, then the, uh, what was it? Did you ever see the Shia LaBeouf song? Where the, uh, it's uh, Rob Cantor, and he has like a whole orchestra, mm-hmm. and he's singing this song about basically Shia LaBeouf being <laughs> like a murdering predator, and you're, <laughs> you're running away from Shia LaBeouf. And then he just, <laughs> like, <laughs> Oh, if you haven't seen it, it's it's fantastic. Uh, it's hilarious. Um, there, there are people like on stage dancing. They have these massive Shia LaBeouf masks on, that and is they're do, they're doing a choreographed that, song that with, with like orchestrated music. Yeah, it's hilarious. <sighs> uh, and, um, but then there's 
him as a rapper. Yeah. Um, and then there's like the videos of him like doing drunken racist rants in some sort of like yeah. weird scenario. It's like it just doesn't. It, yeah, none of it computes. Yeah, none of it computes. But I don't think he's crazy. Yeah, I think I think he may have decided that he doesn't want to take those meds anymore. I'm like something's not right. I don't know, but you know, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to speak like I know the man. It's just uh, it's, but, it's but, an interesting but study. Confused. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting study of a human yeah. through the lens of only what people post on social media yeah, exactly. or whatever you get via media in general. Like, exactly. yeah, you never have a conversation with a guy, so there's no way you can know. But I bet if you did have a conversation with the guy, it would yeah. be actually really fucking interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but. And in, in a good way. In a good way, yeah. Yeah. I mean, unless he's drunk. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Uh, and then last but not least on our birthdays, uh, I know we at the table here are all uh, Game of Thrones fans. Mm. And uh, Peter Dinklage uh, is 49 today. And, uh, of course, that was another name when I saw it. It just made me smile because I'm such a huge Game of Thrones fan. In which case, uh, I actually definitely plan to do uh, uh, Game of Thrones podcast and uh, and uh, and you two in particular, I want at the table that day because I know that you've actually watched the show. Yeah, and uh, and I think that that would be uh, just a great thing to kind of just discuss it and go through the seasons and and just all of the you know craziness and where we think the show's gonna go in this in its final season. Yeah. Uh, but uh, with all of that, we'll be right back. Alright. And we are back, and before we get too deep, let's play a quick party game. So, uh, did you play high school sports or an instrument or you know, anything like that? You know, maybe you were in drama or something, something you did that you were good at. But why didn't you keep playing? It's in the middle of Missouri. Uh, 3A school, you know, about eight or 9,000 people in town. But for whatever reason, for the amount of time that this tennis program existed while my older brother and I were a part of it, it was, we actually took it very seriously. Uh, and amongst friends, we were really, really competitive. Um, just amongst each other and so for the entire four years that I was in high school our tennis program as far as the regular season was concerned against other regular schools we were undefeated all four years wow we never lost yeah that's good um my doubles partner and I took first at districts uh in my junior year ninth at state junior year um we got a case of the seniors uh <laughs> senior year and didn't really try as hard y'all know how that goes um but you know uh we were considered you know pretty good so suffice it to say you were getting close to putting in your ten thousand hours in a way i mean it's it's one thing whenever you like reach that level of excellence on your own through a lot of a lot of hard work and practice but then you go to sectionals every single year and play pembroke hill so Pembroke Hill was also a 3A school at the time and they have resources so they have indoor courts, personal coaches. Um, they can dedicate a lot more time, whereas in the winter, or if it was too windy or whatever, you know, we just didn't play. Right. You know, uh, Pembroke Hill, they could play in 10 to 1. So yeah. they could actually dedicate that time. So they would 
slaughter us every year <laughs> whenever we got to sectionals. Gotcha. I remember the first time I played a Pembroke Kill person, it was my sophomore year. I was, so in varsity tennis, there's six players who are varsity. That's it. I was six, sophomore year. I played this guy named Hunter, and uh, <laughs> I took him to tiebreaker in the first set. So wait, before you finish the story, out there in podcast land, the fact that he remembers this guy's name says his story should be pretty good. Well, it's just interesting to me, maybe, but it's memorable. Um, and mainly because my tennis coach promised a steak dinner to anybody who put up the most games against this team. Okay. The most against their individual like player, right? Right. I took this player to tiebreaker in the first set, so I got six games off this guy, right? He won the set, right. seven six, uh, and then six owed me in the second set. Ah, wow. Come to find out, he had a foot injury the entire time. Ow. Yeah. Never got my steak dinner either. I was pissed. Yeah. yeah I was like, come on, Ed. Um, <laughs> tennis coach. Uh, but that first set, it was just. Like, I was one of those players that would just run everything down. Yeah. Every ball I could get to, everything I could get back, I wanted to be the wall, you know? Right, right. Because it doesn't matter if you can put it in play. Yeah. You yeah. just got to wait for that guy to mess up. And after I took him to tiebreaker, I could tell he was pissed because he was like, that was a lot of work. Right, right, right. <laughs> I'm going to put the pain aside and shut this down. <laughs> I'm sure is what he was thinking. Yeah. Because I got massacred the second set. Maybe I was just getting tired, too. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But I was a sophomore, so I doubt it. I mean, back then, you know, you're 16, you got, you got energy. I had a lot of it then, too. Yeah. Um, but then I went to college. Um, probably could have got on the, uh, the squad at Truman State University and just... Just did. You know, I wanted to chase girls, drink, and play video games. Okay. You know, so that's what I did to my detriment. Because <laughs> I never finished, and <laughs> here I am slinging drinks, yeah, which yeah. is fine with me now. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, I, I love what I, mean, I do. Yeah, I mean, you are in a fairly different echelon of drink slingers. I will say that. True, but uh, yeah, that's that's my. I, I did something that was kind of cool, and just never picked it up again. Okay. Mm -hmm. oh, cool. What do you think, Rick? Uh, I actually did both. Uh, um, played football in high school, and always wanted to keep playing. So I tried for the first couple of years outside of uh, high school and just stopped growing. Yeah, I'm 5'11", mm. I'll always be 5'11", not right. ever going to get to 6'1", as it turns out. Right, right, right. So <laughs> every coach there was like, we'd love to have you, you just need at least another couple inches on you. Ah. So like, okay, ah. that didn't work. Um, but yeah, it was pretty good. Selection just yeah, that one, that one I can't do anything about. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I was really good for high school and I had some state records for a while and stuff. And mm. then, you know, over time game changes and you lose all that stuff but uh still it was really fun and then uh played um guitar and bass forever uh and up until i was in a touring band for a while up until i was probably almost 28 mm. when uh my sprint job really started kicking in right. you got to decide do you want to hang out in a van with five sweaty smelly dudes or do you want to actually go make some money and, uh, you know, at 28, you're like, really? You're not probably going to be discovered at that <laughs> right. point. So yeah, we'll <laughs> I put a quick end to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but, yeah, they were both fun. Yeah. Here's something I probably never told you all about me. Yeah. Uh, I was president of my drama club. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's awesome. For my senior year, that was it. Yeah. I was, year. yeah, I was kind of in and out. Um, I didn't really start doing plays until junior year. Mm. Um... 
but it was it was a funny thing. We had a president of our drama club, and then she dropped out of high school for oh. whatever reason. And then we were like, well, Ben, why don't you do it? I was like, okay. okay. I was in a couple plays, but again, you know, just... Yeah. But it was fun. I liked it a lot. Yeah. But it's one of those things. You just... Sometimes you catch an interest and you hang out with, with it for a bit, and then and you move on. I've always enjoyed theater, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cool. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. Now, I actually uh never played any organized sports. A lot of people a lot of people who, who don't know me assume that I would have played something. Yeah. But I actually never played organized sports. Um if there was any organized sport that I played it was uh it was uh girl chasing. Ah. <laughs> uh and but, and, and to tell you the truth, I never regretted uh, not playing any organized sports. Although I do wish that I would have um, stuck with choir or would have gotten uh, into band or drama or something like that. Um, just, I never, you know, when we were growing up, you know, you know, my mom didn't have a crap ton of money, so, you know. And that stuff takes money. Yeah, yeah, so playing a sport was just, you know, I wouldn't say out of the question, but it definitely was uh, something that I, you know, I just wasn't going to really worry my mom too much about, because, right. like I said, we just didn't have it like that. Uh, but, you know... I did start. Uh, I did start probably, probably rap, rapping and songwriting. It's probably thirteen or fourteen or okay. something like that, and uh, and I've definitely put about ten thousand hours on on that because I because I still do it, and uh, so you know I guess there is something for stick to it in this. Although, um, you know, I had a couple of situations when I was 17, 18 where it could have, uh, it could have been more, but, um. We had the showcase audition for the Yeah, tour. yeah, yeah. Oh, good gravy. So, <laughs> I think I told the story on the podcast once, but I'll, I'll tell One of the real, most cringeworthy stories, uh, I think. Good gravy, yeah. I'll tell, I'll, I'll tell it real quick, though. <laughs> Hi. So, I, um, uh. You know, it's something to be said for, you know, knowing people who know people. So my mom knows somebody who knows somebody who's um, putting together uh, groups to open up for Ice Cube and gets me an audition. So um, I get like an instrumental from somewhere, probably the B-side of some cassette single or something like that. And I write a song, and I get a couple of my friends, because this is during the time where, you know, rappers had backup dancers. And uh, so we had rehearsed the routine, and uh, so we're going to go down there, and we're going to do the rehearsal, we're going to do the audition, and we get down there. And uh, we can't find one of my friends. So finally, can't wait on him anymore. We get down there. We do the thing, 
and she says, you know, I, you know, is that your music? I said, no, it's an instrumental I found. She said, oh, okay, that's no big deal. Um, and, um, and I said, yeah, there was folks. And, 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 and honestly, it's probably my fault. I probably shouldn't have volunteered this information, but I was 17. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't realize it was going to be a big deal. And I said, yeah, it was supposed to be two dancers, but, um, you know, one of the guys, you know, um, you know, he had to back out at the last minute. Blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and she says, you know, you know, I, I could deal with the instrument because, uh, you know, I, I got a studio in the back. We can make you a track. You know, that's, that's proper. Uh, but you don't have control of your crew. That's a problem. And, uh, and because of that, we're going to have to pass. And I was devastated. And I wanted to knock his block off. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, and I think from that point, you know, I did a lot of, you know, you know, small showcases and some larger showcases and a lot of open mics and a lot of, you know, but uh, never pursued it in the way that uh, probably should have pursued it because for a lot of years I was hoping to like have a crew, you know, because yeah. at the time that's kind of what the whole, you know, rap industry was about was, you know, you know, you and your crew, and 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 I never really had a crew that was uh, that was, you know, ready to uh, to to do the next big step. So, you know, it is what it is. But if all that happens, you know, I may not be here talking with y'all today. All right, so do you really think it is what it is, or is that just a load of shit you tell yourself later? Because there's a million things that I wish I had <laughs> stuck with, and I'm like, fuck, I cannot believe I didn't just stick with that. Yeah, uh, you know, well, you're 17, and you had a, I'm not going to say you, you missed an opportunity, but, I mean, you're 17. Yeah, yeah. And then no, to I, look back and go, yep, that was the moment I threw it all in. I'm like, yeah, really? Because yeah, you're so good at it. It's yeah, just, well, that, that would haunt me. Well, it, it, well trust me. Uh, trust me, it does. Uh, and and to tell you the truth, that doesn't haunt me as much as the number of years I spent after that trying to cultivate a crew and realizing that uh, that just wasn't happening in the way that I wanted it to because I was probably more ambitious than everybody I knew. <laughs> And uh, so I think that haunts me more than that one incident. As, as in if you were to, instead of dealing with those people, going out and find somebody on the level, exactly. maybe it would have been different. Exactly. Because it wasn't as if I was dealing with a bunch of dudes that weren't talented. Right. They just didn't have But the, drive is they important. They did not have the drive. Yeah. And, uh, and I knew a guy like that. Yeah. Um, really talented uh, like great guitar player, great writer, decent vocalist, you know, yeah. but rough. But the talent was obviously there. And you know, he go he go play his shows, write his music, do all the stuff. And I think he just kind of expected, like, I'm good enough, you know, it'll right. happen. But 
yeah. a lot of the a lot of the things that he needed to do to to propel his career, he just didn't have it. Didn't have it. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Um, and I always enjoyed his music, and I told him so on on a regular. And maybe I should have been more focused on telling him, like, well, yeah, you're you're really good, but yeah, this isn't going to come of anything if you don't do. Yeah, I mean, if you. Don't. I mean, not not that I knew like what he should be doing. I just knew that something was missing. Right. You know, yeah, I mean, yeah, like you're like, still you're still playing the same tired old little shows and bars. Exactly. Yeah. And I knew that he had. So ambition and drive are different. I know he had certain ambitions. Certain ambitions. But yeah, but but the lack of drive yeah. was uh, because you know I'm trying to you know I'm trying to I'm trying to drive a car and. Uh, you know, and everybody else is, you know, is, you know, sitting on the back bumper perfectly okay to, you know, you know, drink and smoke and... Yeah. And, and I, it, some of them, I even wish they were drinking and smoking and chasing girls. Like, some of them were just drinking and smoking, and I'm just like, dude, you're killing me. I'm like, you're so talented, what are you doing? Yeah. And, uh... And, and, you know, to this day, you know, the vast majority of these guys, you know, they still do do a, li- a little music here and there, but, but they haven't done anything with it. And, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. But, hey, with that, <laughs> we'll be right back. Hey out there in podcast land, we would not be doing our duty if we didn't acknowledge the sponsors of the Law Party Podcast, the Majestic Restaurant and Jazz Club, and the Majestic's Pendergast Club. The Majestic carries on Kansas City's tradition of great food and jazz. Let them show you why they are the classic Kansas City Steakhouse experience. 931 Broadway, just three blocks from the Kansas City Convention Center. Jay Rieger and Company, a Kansas City distillery. Whether whiskey, gin, or vodka, neat or on the rocks, Jay Rieger, Kansas City, sipping good since 1887. CP Construction, Kansas City's premier wood framers, 50 years of quality framing and craftsmanship. Just email david.cnpservice at gmail.com and start building something new today. And our friend and frequent guest, Lane Boland. Thank you all for all that you do. 